Welcome back. We got episode two here of Quarantinema and or Quarantinema. Uh, we're still still working on the name, what, what exactly we're going to call it. Uh, Quarantine Cinema is what we're going for, if uh, we haven't picked up on that one yet. But, uh, uh, but yeah, at the time of this recording, it is March 22nd, so we're coming up in the end of that first uh, real full weekend of quarantining. <laughs> Um, or being, being alone, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, there's not, like, I'm all for having a lazy Sunday and stuff like that, but there's something about, uh, not having, like, you know, having the option to be lazy as opposed to being man mandated to stay in your house. It's getting a little boring. I'm actually looking forward to going into work for a couple hours here, uh, this week. I spent the entire day horizontal, uh, on my couch watching, uh, this new, uh, Tiger King, King Tiger, whatever it's called on Netflix, the series about, uh, it's the docu-series about uh, the tiger trading in America and stuff like that. And it's, it's got a wild cast of characters. It's a very entertaining watch <laughs> if you haven't got a chance to see it yet. But yeah, ch check it out next time you get a couple hours to do something. Uh, it's very binge-worthy. Uh, it, it is trash. I completely acknowledge that. But it's also uh, ju just fascinating. Uh, Joey Exotic. America's Next Great TV character. Uh, so today we got 127 Hours, uh, directed by Danny Boyle, starring James Franco. It is very, very cool. I haven't watched it in a... It's been a couple of years uh, since I've seen it. I, I remember I really, really loved it when I first saw it. I think I saw it in uh, my friend's basement when I was like 16 or something. Yeah, it came out in 2010, so I would have been... Uh, 16, 17 when it came out. Uh, I don't know, I'm bad at math. Uh, 127 hours. If you've never seen it before, it's a very uh, cool concept uh, for a movie. Uh, it's a very must have been very difficult to plan out. Uh, it's a story of uh, a uh, bit of an outdoorsman, uh, Aaron Ralston, who's played by James Franco uh, in the movie, and he's uh, doing a little adventure through uh, the canyons in Utah. And uh, while he's uh, exploring by himself, uh, he gets into a bit of an accident, and his arm uh, gets crushed by a giant boulder, and he's stuck in a canyon for uh, 127 hours uh, before uh, some, he goes to some drastic measures to get out of there. Uh, but very, very, very fun movie. Uh, it's it's good. It's not as amazing as I remember it being. At least I thought upon rewatching it for the first time in a couple of years, but. Still got a couple of scenes that are just top-notch. Kind of came out when James Franco was at the peak of James Franco-dumb. <laughs> uh, you know, this was this was during that time where he had movies coming out every week, it seemed like, and he was always popping up doing something random with art. Or I know he was, <laughs> he was doing cameos on General Hospital, uh, doing some soap operas for a little while there. Uh, but this was the, the year that he was actually nominated for an Oscar and hosting the Oscars with Anne Hathaway. At the same time, I'm not really sure how many times that's happened uh, where the Oscar host is also nominated. And I'm a, I'm a James Franco fan, uh, so it was a, that was a fun time for me. I believe he was in Pineapple Express the year before this came out, uh, which I think that I think that's his best. Uh, I think it's his funniest movie, but as far as the movie with the best uh, dramatic acting, this is far and away his best in my opinion. Let's get into it. Uh, it's a Again, it's a Danny Boyle movie. Uh, we're going to be talking about a, uh, one more Danny Mo uh, Boyle movie in a couple of days here, actually. Uh, we'll, later, we'll be talking about 28 Days Later, our second zombie movie. Uh, but Danny, Danny Boyle, you recognize him from 28 Days Later. Uh, he had 
done Slumdog Millionaire the year before this, actually. So he was kind of still on that, I just want all these Oscars, I can do whatever I want <laughs> kind of thing. And uh, he went out and made this really cool uh, creative thing. It was a fun movie. Uh, he's also done Train Spotting, Steve Jobs. Uh, Yesterday was his most uh, recent movie, that Beatles the movie where, you know, what happened if the world forgot about the Beatles or something like that. Uh, it, it, that was a cool movie, uh, especially as a Beatles fan. It's a very fun movie. Go check it out sometimes. I believe it's on HBO now. Uh, as for streaming 127 hours, I don't think it's readily available anywhere right now. You might have to go rent it somewhere. Uh, but as far as free streaming services go, I don't believe uh, it's, any, it's on any of the major platforms. But if you do get a chance to watch it, I highly recommend it. Uh, from the very, very beginning of this movie, it just sucks you in. It even feels like a Danny Boyle movie. Uh, there's some directors who just like, you just watch a couple seconds uh, of the movie and you just kind of know who the director is. You know, Quentin Tarantino comes to mind, uh, David Fincher. Danny Boyle, like he's got such, he, he's very creative with the way he edits and the way he uses music and he's got some great, really cool camera angles uh, and uh, you know, set designs and stuff like that. And for a movie that uh, largely takes place in one area with one character, and that character is stuck. Uh, he, he definitely gets the, uh, the most out of this. So yeah, early on in the movie, James Franco does a great job. You get a great sense of, you know, who this guy is. And then when his accident actually happens, uh, he just kind of loses all that power that, you sh that uh, they show you in the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie. And James Franco, again, does an amazing job being stuck in a bad situation. Uh, the movie's actually based on a book uh, written by Aaron Ralston uh, called Between a Rock and a Hard Place. Uh, which, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, it's, it's some dark humor, but uh, <laughs> uh, the movie's actually got some dark humor throughout, which is nice. Um, again, I don't really, the, with this podcast, I don't really want to walk you guys A to B through the movie. Um, you know, there's a couple points I want to hit on. Um, two scenes in particular uh, with, this, uh, with this one that I really want to talk about. During the movie... Aaron Ralston, he has a camera with him, a little camcorder. I believe the event took place in like 2004 or something like that. So if you remember those little home movies with the screen that pops out and, uh, you know, the mini DV tapes. Uh, I remember I, um, I used to make little video projects around, <laughs> around my house with a camera just like this one uh, when I was a kid. There was actually one summer my parents caught me throwing a party uh, one time and uh, my punishment was that I was grounded for the rest of the summer, uh, so I couldn't leave the house <laughs> uh, ever. And so one of the things I did was I took the camera and I made a <laughs> not quite shot-for-shot shot remake of The Dark Knight uh, with me playing all the characters uh, in it, but uh, I did that. It's in the depths of YouTube somewhere. Someone go, th go down and dig it up. I'm not going to post it <laughs> yet anyway. Who knows? Maybe if, we'll get, if we get a certain amount of subscribers or likes at some point, uh, maybe I'll dig up the link and post it somewhere. But I guess you guys are just going to have to, you know, tell your friends all about this amazing little podcast. Anyway, so he's got one of these cameras uh, with him. And once he uh, kind of assesses the situation that he's stuck uh, on the boulder, uh, he does an inventory check uh, of all of his gear. You know, he's got ropes and uh, lapels and carabiners and, you know, the camel pack and water bottles and all that stuff. So does an inventory of how fucked he really is. Uh, and one of the things he has is this camera. And he starts to document uh, what's going on. You know, he shows what's up with his arm. He's talking, you know, he kind of does these confessionals uh, almost. And he does a lot of these throughout the movies. At, at times they can get a little, uh, what's the right word here? Uh, not 
existential, but just almost too re- like re- reflective for a movie that is again stuck in one location <laughs> uh, for the most part. There is a good amount of action uh, in the movie, which I always thought was interesting. Uh, and the kudos to Danny Boyle uh, and you know his team for uh, pulling it off the way they did. But uh, in particular, there's one, one of these confessionals. It's about his third or fourth day uh, into. Uh, being stuck, and uh, he kind of does like a Good Morning America kind of thing, you know, he pops up, and he's like, good morning, everyone, this is Aaron Ralston in Loser Town, USA, or something like that, uh, and it's really James Franco's best scene uh, in the movie, it's, you know, he's interviewing himself, uh, and he's very funny throughout, and the way they cut the scene together, from one angle, he's the ho- he's host Aaron Ralston, the other angle, he's guest Aaron Ralston, and James Franco pulls it off great, and the editing comes really cool together, too. The editing, another uh, note about this. The editing, it was, uh, it was edited by a guy named John Harris, uh, who was nominated for an Oscar. Uh, we'll talk about the, Os- the Oscar nominations for this movie later. Uh, but John Harris, he was nominated for an Oscar. He's a, uh, this was, I believe it was his first uh, collaboration with Danny Boyle, but he's done a couple uh, other movies since. Uh, he did uh, T2 Trainspotting, the sequel that came out uh, a couple years ago. I believe he also did uh, an episode of something called Babylon, which I admit I've never heard of, but I'm a Danny Boyle guy, so maybe I should use this isolation time to get back in there <laughs> and uh, do some homework on Babylon. Uh, but yeah, John Harris did a great job in, uh, with this movie, and he uh, is also the editor on uh, my favorite horror movie of all time, something called uh, The Descent. Fairly little, uh, little horror movie. I wouldn't call it zombies, but it's definitely monster-ish, but it's, it's, a, it's a really great movie. We're going to be talking about that in a couple of weeks. Uh, one thing I didn't realize with my DVD collection was uh, how many movies I had that begin with the letters A to C. Uh, so really, almost the first month <laughs> we're, uh, we're going to be doing this, we might not get to the C. So it's going to take a little while to get down to uh, The Descent. Uh, but put that one on your radar, too. Uh, that's going to be a very fun episode for me. I know I, I'm... I still get freaked out watching that thing, uh, you know, all these years later. So, uh, looking forward to that. And it's always cool to see John Harris, uh, you know, popping up in a, you know, all over my collection here. Uh, but yeah, so this scene, uh, he does a really great job. You know, he does uh, the whole morning show sequence where he's interviewing himself, and uh, there's all this uh, hokey music <laughs> going on in the background. They put a laugh track in there. Uh, it's uh, definitely one of the light, lighter moments uh, of the. Uh, of the movie, but at the same time, you know, the when he's interviewing himself, he's like, oh, are you, uh, and you didn't tell anyone that you were coming out here, because you're a fucking loser, right, <laughs> so you see Aaron kind of starting to have this breakdown, and, uh, you know, realize all the things he did wrong leading up to this moment, it's a huge, uh, like, admission of guilt, uh, if you will, and as, and he does a, Franco does a flawless transition of uh, this comedic bit into, really the most emotional uh, point in the movie, which is where he's directly addressing his parents, apologizing that he could have done more and stuff like this and that he loves them. And it, it's, uh, that, that's James Franco's time to shine. I, I haven't gone back and watched the Oscars telecast from 10 years ago, but uh, if I had to imagine when they were playing his uh, little 15-second clip uh, you know, while they're announcing his name, I would imagine this was the scene that they probably would have shown. Uh, it's just... Uh, it's a very, very well done scene. Uh, for those of you who have seen this movie before, we all know the scene <laughs> uh, in the movie. This movie and this story, this this movie was a big way to tell Aaron Ralston's story, but Aaron Ralston 
like this was a big story when it came out. You know, he was on TV shows everywhere. He wrote this book. Uh, he was actually in a series of commercials uh, for Bud Light. I don't know if anyone remembers this, but the Manlaw commercials. Uh, was, I don't have the list of guys in front of me here, but it was like this uh, big round table full of like macho celebrities. You know, you had like Burt Reynolds. Uh, I think Norm Macdonald was in there. Jerome Bettis from the Steelers. <laughs> Uh, was in this, and like, there's a whole other room. Look up Man Laws. Uh, it's a very, very funny series of Bud Light commercials. Uh, but yeah, so Aaron Ralston, you know, we knew kind of who he was and the story about how he uh, kind of had to cut his arm off, uh, essentially, to escape uh, from this boulder. Uh, it took him a while to get there, but once he realized that's what he had to do, <laughs> that's what he did, and he, you know, he's still here. He's still alive. He's climbed Mount Everest and all this other shit. He's a He's a, he's a true American badass, <laughs> uh, that's for sure. But, so the entire movie, we all know that this is all leading up <laughs> to James Franco having to cut his arm off. <laughs> I'm not a very, like, reactive guy when it comes to watching movies, like the violence and gore and stuff like that. Like, I can, I can handle it. It's pretty tough to gross me out uh, when it comes to these things. I like to think I have a strong stomach. This scene... <laughs> Fucked me up the first time I ever saw it, and every time I see it, I, ah, I just like it really makes my butthole just pucker up like a snare drum. It like I my entire body just goes through something when you're watching him cut his arm off, and it's not so much watching him cut cut his arm off. I think it's uh it's it's the score, the music that's playing while he's doing the deed. Uh, there's a very there's a couple quick cuts of him like when he, you know he's got his pocket knife and he's digging around and he's like cutting a tendon and stuff like that. And there's just like sharp, like guitar riff. And I like, I'm, I'm, I'm sweating thinking about it right now. It just, it hurts. It just fucking hurts. <laughs> uh, they don't really hold anything back in the scene, which does the, you know, it does Aaron Ralston's story justice, but Oh my God. And it goes from the, <laughs> one of the funniest parts about the whole thing is like, it goes from like a very wholesome, like, there's this like scene of self-reflection where he's seeing all the people who are involved in his life and he has this premonition about he's seeing his son for the first time and then at that like once he sees all that he's just like all right fuck it and then he just starts hacking away at this thing <laughs> uh, with his pocket knife it's gruesome uh it's, it needed to be done he doesn't even cut it off eventually like he eventually loosens it up and he sort of pulls it off uh kind of like uh <laughs> It's kind of like he's opening a jar or something like that. He just kept pulling and pulling and pulling and then pop, it was off. <laughs> That's definitely the scene in the movie. Um, it's far and away the most memorable <laughs> uh, scene. I, I still think my favorite is uh, that confessional with the Good Morning America stuff. Uh, but this was just brutal. Uh, it's an, it's, but it's, it, you just got to watch it for yourself. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, th th this is this is why I don't go outside. This is why I don't do hiking. Like I, <laughs> I'm up for a nice like light trail every now and then. But the second like you throw rocks and boulders and climbing and shit into the mix, like no, I'm, I'm just gonna stay home and watch movies if that's all right. Uh, so that's really uh, all I got for the movie itself. Uh, it's it's a short movie. It's only nine. It's ninety four minutes. Uh, so it honestly could probably be even shorter than that. There's a couple. Uh, points where the movie sort of drags out, um, particularly with, uh, you know, some of these scenes of, like, self-reflection and epiphanies and stuff like that.
But that being said, they do make the most out of a limited set, uh, limited, you know, action and all this stuff. Danny Boyle does an amazing job. I think this is my this is my favorite Danny Boyle movie. I, I listed some of them earlier. Uh, you know, Twenty Eight Days Later, Steve Jobs, Slumdog Millionaire, Train Spotting. To me, this is the one. This is this is his best movie in my opinion. Per every episode, uh, we're going to do this little sequence at the end here. Uh, we're going to go through some of the did you knows on IMDb. Uh, if you don't have IMDb, go download it right now. Every time I watch a movie, the first thing I do when it's over, I go right on IMDb, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and you can find this big section of did you knows. Things that you would have never known about the movie, the production, the, the impact, you know, different casting rumors and stuff like that like uh, I was reading through it and apparently Shia LaBeouf <laughs> uh, could have been in this movie which it'd be interesting Shia LaBeouf and James Franco like at this at this was back during that time where like they were both just in the news all the time and it wasn't for movies <laughs> uh, but that doesn't take away from the fact that either of them are talented actors I just uh, I just watched Honey Boy on Amazon the other night Shia LaBeouf absolutely killed it uh, in that movie very, very, very good. Go check it out. It's on. Uh, it's free on Prime right now. So yeah, let's get into some of these. Did you knows? Uh, leading off, uh, Aaron and I, we kind of talked about this earlier. Uh, Aaron Ralston filmed a daily video diary uh, while he was stuck in the canyon. Pairs of uh, the video diary were shown on uh, televised uh, special about his entrapment. However, most of the footage uh, has only been shown to close friends and family and is kept in a bank vault for safety. Before shooting began, both James Franco and Danny Boyle were allowed to view the footage in order to accurately portray the events of the movie. That's got to be some heavy, heavy shit. <laughs> I'm curious to see like how much, by watching that footage, how much James Franco was more so doing an imitation rather than putting his own thing on it. We're never going to see it. It's just one of those things. But, uh, you know, thank God Aaron Ralston was, and he, from everything I've seen and read about the guy, he seems like a super uh, cool dude. But, you know, thank God he gave those guys that access because some of the scenes, like, talking to his parents and, like, there's a scene where, you know, he's got to drink his own piss at some point. It's so, like little stuff like that really elevates the movie. And apparently it's the same, uh, the camera he uses uh, in the movie, uh, the prop, it's the same camera uh, that Aaron Ralston used when, uh, he was actually uh, stuck in the canyon, so I always thought that was a little interesting. So one thing that's uh, obvious, I think, about this movie is that this must have sucked to shoot. <laughs> uh, you'll kind of see it when you get in there, but it's a very tight, the can like the canyon and the boulder and everything, like, it's a very confined space. The way they did it, James Franco must not have had a lot of time to get in and out of there because he'd be on set for hours at a time with his arm lodged under this thing. And uh, again, this was back when James Franco dumb, <laughs> if you will, was you know at its height. Uh, and I, I think he was going to NYU or something at the time, but uh, one of the facts uh, here is James Franco hid his textbooks uh, in the crevices in the canyon set to keep his mind off the claustrophobia factor while, uh, while on set, uh, which would be for hours at a time. That's got, I can't even imagine, uh, you know, what that's like. He probably didn't have time to go back to his trailer and this and that, and uh, it doesn't say what the shooting schedule was for this movie, but uh, between... All the, the Danny Boyle does a great job of getting every angle uh, from his camera. He still had to do a lot of camera movements uh, in in the canyon itself, which is uh, really impressive. He does this one in particular where um, James Franco's yelling for help, and it's zoomed in on his face. And then it must be a drone shot or something because the camera pulls out, and it just you kind of see like it gets further and further away from him, looking down on him. 
and you know you see how deep the canyon is and then he gets above ground and you see like that he's just in the desert by himself and it just keeps going back further and further and further and there's nothing for miles around him so you just uh, it's a great scene to realize just exactly how fucked he really is last one uh this one goes back to the amputation scene uh some multiple arms and arm interiors were created for the surgery sequence with a day and a half scheduled at the end of the film shoot to document the intricacies of the scene uh, after the first long take of the surgery scene done in real time and lasting roughly 20 minutes danny boyle canceled the last day and a half of the shoot he felt he had captured everything he needed in that first take I feel like uh, just like us, Danny Boyle watching this probably felt like us watching the movie where it's just like, oh, okay, okay, fine, fine. Yeah, fuck it. We got it. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it's a gross scene uh, and apparently they, it was really gross to shoot as well. So they felt like they got everything and uh, ah, that scene, I'm, I'm starting to think about it again, that little sound and that uh, shot of him like cutting his tendon and stuff like that. Ugh. So fun, 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 fun fun love some good you knows uh so some final thoughts again the movie does a great job of getting the most out of challenging concept not a lot of directors could really do this movie and make it as engaging as it was so hats off to danny boyle uh, and james franco for doing that at the oscars that year uh the movie was nominated for six oscars uh and it didn't win any of them I'm not saying that's a snub or anything uh, i just want to go through a couple of categories here uh, just seeing how it held up uh, over time so going through best picture uh, it was nominated for best picture best actor best director best uh, adapted screenplay uh and best original song and best score uh, uh oh and speaking of the, mu uh, the music uh ar Rahman did both the score and the music for this one uh he did the same thing for slumdog millionaire the year before and he won two oscars uh, in the same year that year he was actually nominated for three uh, oscars uh, the year before he got uh, he was nominated twice in Best Original Song, uh, but he won for Jai Ho and the score and the movie score as well. Uh, and with this one, uh, he was nominated for uh, the song uh, uh, If I Rise and the score as well, but didn't win for either one of those. Uh, no objections there. But anywho, Best Picture, a lot of nominees this year. It was a strong class. It had The King's Speech, which went on to win. Uh, King's Speech, 127 Hours, True Grit, Coen Brothers Remake, uh, The Social Network, The Fighter, Winter's Bone. Uh, Inception, Black Swan, and the kids are all right. Talk about a stacked class. Uh, that was a that was a good year for movies, and I'm sure there's a couple of a couple other movies that uh, probably didn't make the list here that should be. Uh, we're actually going to be talking about some of these movies at some point. I know Social Network's on the schedule, The Fighters on the schedule, uh, Inception's in there. Looking at that list of movies, yeah, 127 hours probably shouldn't have won. Uh, I, I agree with that. King's Speech did win, which I definitely disagree with. I think the best mo uh, movie out of that pack is clearly The Social Network. Uh, I feel like a lot of people did, too. I know it gets some hate. Not everyone's a big Aaron Sorkin fan, but fuck off. I like it. Uh, and the best actor race, James Franco, was nominated uh, alongside Colin Firth uh, in King's Speech, who went on to win. Jeff Bridges in True Grit. Javier Bardem in Beautiful, uh, which I believe was a Spanish movie. Uh, James Franco and Jesse Eisenberg in so uh, Social Network. Easier to make a case for Colin Firth winning that, that uh, for winning Best Actor uh, rather than King's Speech winning Best Movie. But at the same time, uh, I'm going to stick with the social network here. I do think Jesse Eisenberg uh, had the best performance that year. So 
no, again, no, not knocking down James Franco or any of the other guys. I just think Social Network is uh, a near perfect movie. Anyway. Final sequence here. Uh, we do we rate the movie one to five hazmats uh, in celebration of uh, our quarantine. Uh, overall, I'm going to give this one three and a half hazmats. Uh, I think a long time ago when I first saw this movie, uh, back when I was a teenager, I would have given it four or five. Uh, I really, really liked it, but uh, as time went on, there's some. I agree there's some great sequences, but the uh, movie is a little more, It's it, it does get a little too reflective uh, at some points uh, for me. So that's just a personal preference. Uh, anyway, so three and a half Azmats. It's currently leader in the pack. Last episode we did quarantine, that got two and a half. All right, well, thank you uh, all for listening. Uh, this is, again, it's a new podcast, so if I'm rambling at points and the audio quality is what it is at, some, at certain points, uh, I'm new to this. Uh, we're trying to do something new. Got to stay creative uh, during, uh, you know, these weird times. Uh, I'm a stand-up comedian uh, during the week, so the fact that I can't go out and actually talk to people, <laughs> uh, this, is, uh, this is really the best I got. Uh, for me right now so next episode we're going to be talking about uh, a movie called two guns it stars mark Wahlberg and denzel washington uh it's a just a good old-fashioned saturday afternoon popcorn action movie go give it a watch uh, before you listen and uh, i will see you guys then remember wash your hands stay inside all right thanks for listening folks